everybody, welcome back to Dungeons and Diapers. I say welcome back, you may be a new listener, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say you have just mainlined 90 episodes of Dungeons and Diapers and are now into episode 91. I think that's what we're at, where we're at. And uh, if so, thank you so much for your support. Obviously, an amazing, addictive podcast, and you've come back for more, and we appreciate it. If you are a new listener, wow. You are in for a treat today, I must say. Uh, my name is Crofton Steers. I am one of the two hosts of this podcast. The other host, always the same person, his name, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, welcome. Hello. I'm Yes, I'm here. Always the same person. Never not uh, a fake voice that, uh, that may sound a little bit like this. Skeptical face. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I tell you, Ryan... The day I can replace you with AI, watch out. I no, think I'm it's today. Kidding. Honestly, if you you just go to, I don't know, I don't know what it's called, but you just type in uh, Chat GPT. Hey, yeah. Chat GPT, have you uh, have you played Deathloop? Uh, I am sorry, I'm an AI construct. I cannot offer an opinion on this game. Well, let me tell you something, Chat GPT, and then I would talk for twenty minutes. Yeah, sounds like a good show. It it sounds like half of a good show. <laughs> so, is it, are yeah. you going to say the Chat GPT half? Because I will reach across. No, and that no, would be yeah. a Crofton thing to do. You know, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. just uh, I'm just good yeah. old nice Ryan. Everyone thinks nice all Canadians Ryan. are nice, but uh, only about oh. half of us. <laughs> the ones called the ones called Ryan, which are about two thirds of men. It's true. There are a lot of Ryans. There's Ryan Gosling. There's Ryan Reynolds. And just to, that's just to name two of them, right? So yeah, and if you go into the Ryan Murphy subcategory, you've got at least a few. There's at least you know, three that I know of. Uh, yeah, so me too. Uh, me too. But you know what? You're the best one. Q. That's yeah. like, and I'm not only saying that because you're the only one I'm ever going to meet in person. Uh, but uh, that definitely does play into it. Um, so Ryan, this week, uh, we're, it's a regular episode. We're going to go through the dungeons, which is the stuff, the geeky stuff we've been up to. And we're going to go, uh, and change some diapers and talk about some of the stuff that we've been doing, uh, with our family, our kids, our little life balance, if you will. So, uh, how about we go start in the dungeons as we're want to do the fun stuff. No offense to our families. Um, and uh, what do you got going on? What's uh, what's up? You planning Valentine's Day stuff? Uh, I should be probably. Uh, I've been too busy though pulling clips from uh, for for the Croft inside of Core. Are you ready for another Croft inside of Core? Oh man, we haven't done this for a while. What about what's his um, name? Um, uh, Crofton. Cro- Crofton. He's got some. So just to contextualize what we're doing here. Yes. This is from the podcast Core that my friend Bo is a co-host on. And as I mentioned his name here, he mentions me there. And you are playing a clip that I, I don't know what you are going to play, but I am to react to it. Is this to provide my my two cents to his shenanigans? Yeah, because oftentimes – so I, I listen to Core uh, regularly, and oftentimes Bo will, will tell a story – and Uh-oh. it's become a bit of a, a meme now that uh, and 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 uh, John won't necessarily poke, but uh, Scott will poke to be like and and did this involve Crofton and your friends in, in, in any regard and uh, likely launch into a story, um, and uh, yeah that I and I I clip it out if it's if it's funny usually it's funny 
Sometimes it's not, but usually, <laughs> usually it's funny. Uh, and uh, yeah, I got a clip for us. Hit, hit me with it now, Ryan. I, I, this is for the listeners. I have never heard this before, so let's go. Yeah, the Irish accent just made me go, "Oh, it, like the voice actor who does it is stellar." Yeah. It, since it's Crofton, does he go, "Hey, I pickpocketed the entire town and then set the place on fire"? No, like he doesn't have that. He doesn't sound that. It's more cool and, <laughs> oh, okay. and rusty. Like, but it is. It is like that. Minus the hey, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> you know, it's not. He's more like I'm gonna kill you all. Right. So there's a, there's a couple of a uh, couple of layers to that one because um, it sounds like you played Borderlands three with Bo and 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 maybe some other folks. No, just with Bo. We were we were back into man. We really got to keep going on it. And I played a character, and Bo has put so much time into this game. But the characters you play actually chat, like they're chatty, they interact together. And so I was playing a character he had never really played with. He'd been mostly playing single players, and my character was Irish, which was a complete shock to him. He didn't expect that, and he would laugh whenever my characters spoke. But I do, I, <laughs> I do want to just jump on something Scott, um, Scott said there, which was <laughs> yes, uh, the uh, my tendency to play a rogue character. Um, so one time I played Divinity. Uh, original sin 2 with Bo Scott and and my friend Mike and uh and you know we were starting a campaign which is funny doing anything like that with a guy who's as busy as Scott Johnson you know he's not going to be along for the long haul he did like the first session with us and then his his character was just dragged along for the the rest of the adventure but in that first session and what partly may have scared him away is I pickpocketed him again he's on my team but I, I I was a rogue and I, I stole money and then I bought stuff. And then at one point he was trying to buy something from a merchant and was like, I don't I don't I really thought I had more money than this. And Bo <laughs> Bo just knew immediately what had happened and said uh <laughs> and said like a parent chastising their child, Crofton, and uh <laughs> And I started laughing <laughs> hysterically because Scott, as a little bit of an internet celebrity, when he often plays with people like World of Warcraft, they give him things. Like he logs on and they're like, here, have this fancy suit of armor or this pile of gold. They don't they don't steal from him. Um, and so uh, so Bo made me give him his money back. But uh but but I do I do think when hearing that clip I'm Scott is like somehow Crofton's playing Borderlands and found a way to screw everybody. But uh, but yeah. So I appreciate that, Ryan. That was a good one. Yeah, exactly. I figured uh, that little clip there with the you know, a call back to your divinity days uh with the group it it comes up a lot and uh it's a fun story because it is so Crofton. So there you go. The Crofton side of Core returns, and we'll be back when Crofton gets mentioned yet again on Core. So Inev- inevitably, yes. Um. So Ryan, uh, back to the Ryan side of Dungeons and Diapers. Uh, <laughs> what uh, what do you got for us this week? Right. So I brought some TV shows to the dungeons. Uh, always a good thing to have uh, down in the dungeons is a TV show. And, um, you know, one of these is going to be expected. Another one is likely to be uh, a little bit different than um, what we're used to talking about. But, you know, Apple TV Plus comes up every now and again. 
on the show, uh, thanks to Ted Lasso and the after party and stuff like that. So uh, Ted Lasso is nowhere to be seen. Uh, I have no idea where he is, but supposedly season three will be coming uh, at some point this spring. But uh, Ashley and I have been watching a new show that premiered a couple weeks ago called Shrinking. And it has a incredible cast. I don't know if you've seen the marketing on this because it's been everywhere because it has such a a, a, a star-studded cast. I mean, mainly it's got. I, I yeah, I have seen the marketing all over, and it's funny because it looks like a light sort of comedy thing. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I'd be into that, but then then it's like, as you say, it's it's on Apple TV, right? Yes, it is on. So Apple it's TV. like, I don't have it right now, but obviously when Ted Lasso three comes out, I'll, I'll probably get it, and so yeah. hopefully maybe then I can watch that too. I so yeah, to, to cut to the chase, like I, I think if you are inclined to subscribe when Ted Lasso appears, um, I would wait. Uh, that being said, if you are a Xbox Game Pass uh, subscriber, ultimate subscriber, which I know you are, uh, there is a perk available right now to get three months free of Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, so you might want to look into that before the end of March. Um, but again, that should take you right through shrinking and into uh, Ted Lasso season three. But um, yeah, strategically subbing to these, uh, you know, these streaming services, that's the way to go build up content and then in a month, watch your shows. And it's bite size, you know, shrinking is like Ted Lasso is a 30 minute comedy. And uh, this one's more of a of a dark comedy in the sense that it is the whole premise is based around. um, I think the guy's name is Jason Siegel. He's the main guy. Uh, I, for some reason, that name is popping into my head, and I don't know. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yep. So you got uh, Jason Siegel, uh, Jessica Williams, and Harrison Ford being the the other big names uh, in in the in the series. And Jason Siegel plays uh, as well as um, Harrison Ford. They play uh, therapists, and Jason Siegel uh, loses uh, uh, loses his wife in a car accident. Uh, she passes away and this is about him sort of dealing with that and having a bit of a uh, a breakthrough at work where he decides you know what I'm sick of this I'm just going to tell my patients what they need what I think they need to hear to snap them out of whatever rut they're in whether it's uh, being in an abusive relationship or um, uh, struggling with violence uh, you know struggling with just connecting with people. And he basically thinks like, okay, like uh, he has a couple of successes and he said, he just basically tells people what to do uh, to snap them out of it. And of course we know like, you know, hijinks ensue, right? Uh, Which it wouldn't be a TV show if it didn't. Um, But it is it. I mean, Harrison Ford is absolutely hilarious in this. He plays up the whole like grumpy grandpa Harrison Ford. So if you are looking for that, Boy, have you found the show? Um, he is he is awesome in this, and and Jason Siegel is as well. Like he's not in much these days, and I think that's more because he's like he kind of stepped away a bit from acting. Like I, I know he was like he was doing a lot of stuff after How I Met Your Mother, and I think I think he kind of just pulled away a bit from from acting. But uh, he is the star of the show, and it's it's actually produced by Ted Lasso uh, uh, star Brett Goldstein. So he's a producer and, and Roy. Uh, yeah. Roy heavily R- Roy or uh, better known as Hercules uh, from yeah. not, not really better known, but 
but he yeah no that's that's great um i i uh i am interested in that one although like some of the subject matter looks heavy like therapists dealing with people and harrison ford's character is sick right like is that the deal yeah harrison like, ford's character is, is sort of i think it's early onset uh parkinson's so right. he's dealing with that like like you said it is there's a lot of heavy subject matter obviously dealing with death and grief um Jason Siegel has a daughter who's who's obviously also dealing with the loss of of her mother and um as you said throw in the regular patients that he that he is a therapist for and yeah like it's not all um like it sounds like a drama when you say it it doesn't sound like a comedy it's yeah it's uh it's a drama with comedic element like it is it is a dark comedy but like you could probably yeah. you could probably describe it more as as a drama with comedic elements. But like I think I think like the it 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 feels it feels funny. Like it's 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 trying to be funny and it nails it. Like it is funny. Right. You know I'm I'm really like we're really enjoying it. And like I said, it's a you, it is so hard to find good thirty minute comedies that are that are good. Like uh we. We're not even going to talk about the whole Netflix thing, but like in comparison to the newest 30 minute comedy that came to Netflix, which is that 90s show that Ashley and I watched, uh, it's terrible. It is a bad show. The only reason we were watching it is because we liked that 70s show when we were when we were kids. Okay, I was going to ask that. Like, did you do you have nostalgia for that 70s show? Because it feels like that's what it's you know working on. That's all. That's all it's working on. And again, like. Um, the best parts of that show are red and, and, uh, uh, kitty and, but the kids, all the new kids that they brought in is like, man, this sucks. It's, it's really it, like, it's, it's funny, but it's also like super duper cheesy. And you're kind of like, I'm so glad there are only 10 episodes. I mean, like Netflix has really gone downhill and that's not just a, a commentary on their recent additions to their, uh, we don't do account sharing for our Netflix because we we have we have enough uh, profiles on it for the kids, just enough for the kids, right? And they all watch different stuff. But uh, you know, but that's where they get us. Like, to, like they're cracking down on password sharing and all of that sort of thing. And uh, you know, we're at an expensive tier on our Netflix, and um, I was sort of like talking to my wife do we watch netflix really like i can't like occasionally we'll watch like a movie like i watch glass onion in december but like have i been regularly watching and she said no but the kids do all the time and i was like oh yeah that's right they do and it is funny because it's like you're not i'm i'm not even making a decision for me i'm making a decision for like like the children and yes we have disney plus and we have amazon and there's other stuff for them to watch but like i'm not going to tell clara she can't watch octonauts you know yeah i mean when it comes to kids programming uh netflix is still you know number one i mean you have paw patrol you have gabby like for us it's paw patrol gabby's dollhouse uh they have the beyblade show that caden likes to watch like we couldn't get rid of netflix but um you know with with the recent announcements of what they're doing with how they're handling account sharing um, in terms of like locking it to an IP address, a location, and then charging you eight bucks if if 
you have a shared account, which I, you know, we all know folks that share their Netflix or their streaming services in general. And that's, that's been the norm. That's been the accepted practice. And obviously Netflix has every right to, to do what they feel they need to do for their bottom line. But I decided like, you know what, like, I don't agree with it. It doesn't affect me personally, but it feels like really bad. And I kind of want to like, okay, let's, let's show our, our appreciation for, for what other folks might have to deal with. Like, so we, we downgraded because I said to Ashley, like, you know, we, we had the ultimate sort of H ultra HD and we kind of figured like, I don't need to watch that 90s show and ultra HD. Like we can, we dropped it down, but even then, like, I don't, we, I said, I said to Ashley, well, if we run into issues where, you know, every kid wants to watch something different because, you know, kids, they like to uh, complain about what other people are watching um sometimes it's just like okay we have enough devices you guys all have tv time you can do your individual tv it doesn't happen often but it might happen in that case we'll just say like okay like two of you can watch netflix and one of you can watch disney or something you know like but there is just so much programming on netflix and um but yeah we're keeping it for the kids uh we would probably it, it would have been strategically subscribed to already if it weren't for the kids programming on it Funny to think that, like, like it's just funny to think that there's nothing, like, it used to be Netflix was the only thing I had. Like, I had, when I cut um, cable, all we had was Netflix. And it was like, you know, the goal, it was when all the, the must-hit shows, or the shows, the water cooler shows were coming out on Netflix. And now it's like, they're all coming out on these other, like, services, um, sh- uh, shrinking being just the latest. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, good to good rack Ryan, and I am curious to check that one out. I'm sure when I do get Apple TV Plus, it will be on the list. Yeah, um, uh, for me, uh, I've been uh, I, uh, I was on the Gamers Inn last time we we put in a clip here, and I, I was sharing uh, how my wife and I were playing this adventure game called The Excavation of Hobbs Barrow, which is funny because like. We were playing it on Steam Deck on, on the TV, and I've wanted to play these adventure games with my wife. We had played like The Longest Journey years ago, and it's just like my wife gets motion sick easily watching video games, and these adventure games are really like, you know, in many ways they're like plays with good voice acting and all of that uh, where you're solving puzzles together and she can engage and I can engage and we have a conversation. It's very fun. Uh, to do that, and when you have one that clicks with you, uh, and often adventure games now either have female protagonists or the option for a female protagonist, which appeals to my wife uh, quite a bit, makes her makes it easier for her to get into the game. Mostly since I'm going to be holding the controller a lot of the time, she'll she'll but but we solve puzzles collaboratively, and it's very it's very fun. So anyway, we finished the excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Um, and uh, it is funny because it's it like the whole time uh, adventure games trade on story, like they trade on story and characters. You're really keen, like a book or a play or, or a movie or whatever. You're really keen to figure out what's going to happen. And the gameplay mechanics is solving puzzles and stuff like that, exploring areas, talking to characters. Um, that's really what it is. But you're pushed forward. You're incentivized by puzzles. And um the the puzzles in this had like especially it's it's the game takes place over three days three in game days, and the first game is sort of introducing the, the first day is introducing the town, 
the cast of characters, the situation. The second day is really all sorts of like adventure gamey puzzles to be able to excavate Hobbs Barrow. And it's really like adventure game logic is something in and of itself, like the way that you solve these puzzles to do things. Like at one point we were like trying to get rare herbs to make a poultice for a man so that he would milk a goat so that we could bring the milk to a lady at the market so she would take us to meet the Earl so he would allow us to excavate Hobbs Barrow. So like, it's just like one thing to another thing to another thing. It's total adventure game logic until at one point I turned to Jess. I'm like, what are we doing right now? Like we're trying to milk the goat, you know? Um, and, uh, but the last day, is the excavation and it's where the horror elements kick in like where it's like it's a, it's a bit of a it's, it's got scary bits it always has this unsettling tone but not to spoil the end of the excavation of Hobbs Barrow but it doesn't have the happiest ending um and it is funny how much we're conditioned for happy endings and when you're incentive incentivized to play a game for the ending like you're going through and you're like okay you know this is all like when the ending is not happy like the first thing i googled when we rolled credits was are there alternate endings you know <laughs> and, and and it was like nope there's not i'm like oh shit and uh, and it does it does change the way that you feel about the game. When we talked about Pentiment or uh, on the show, and I was like, it doesn't really nail Act Three. Um, that was that was true. The ending it didn't really nail the ending, although it nailed the very end. It it, it nailed the very end, but for a large part of the ending act, it wasn't great. And so that's it, it can really damage the overall enjoyment. Now, if somebody's like, "Should I play the excavation of Hobbs Barrow?" I'd be like, "Geez, I don't know." You know, in the same way that do you want to challenge yourself with arts? Like, I'm not sure. So, um, but that said, we one the, the thing that we did enjoy was playing an adventure game together. And um, there's one that I've played before by myself, but it's been a few years now called Unavowed. And uh, it's on the Steam Deck. I know it's going to be my wife's jam. So we're going to play that next. And I know that one has a better ending. So uh, looking forward to reporting back on that. Good stuff. Wow. Better ending. That's what we want to hear. Especially like, like, is there something about these types of games where it struggles to to hit the landing? Is it because is it the journey that's worth it, or do you want the ending to also be? I mean, everyone wants you know the ending of a of a story to be as good as the journey, right? But uh, sometimes in video games, it's like it can be tough to wrap up things. You know, I think. Um... I think the reality is what what happens is uh, is that you're you're incentivizing people with either a mystery that you're going to solve and like I think Pentiment in particular gave the impression that it was going to be a mystery game where you were going to solve it or put together the pieces um, and that's not exactly the type of game it is it's more of a story game that you you are traveling through uh, and you can make some choices for sure and they will branch the story but it didn't necessarily change the outcome. And you can't really do that too much. Um, whereas uh, whereas uh, 
you know, this this game, uh, again, it has a set ending and there's really nothing you can do about that. Um, but again, it was like a mystery. We were trying to figure out, it's one of those games with a suspicious town. Everybody's acting weird and you want to figure out what it's about. So in that sense, you do figure that out. And there is relief there to be like, okay, this was the mystery of this town. So in a way, I guess they nailed that. But then beyond that, you want like, you want there to be a happy ending. Um, and that's just a natural inclination we want. And am I saying the ending of Hobbs Barrow is ba bad? No, it's not. Actually, if it was a movie, it would probably get a higher star rating than probably if it had a happy ending. People would be like, well, it's a little too convenient how it all wrapped up if it had a happy ending. But like, you know, it's in our nature to want a happy ending. Uh, and when And I think when you play a lot of video games, as a gamer, you're used to forcing a happy ending. It is rare. Like when The Last of Us came out and the ending was very come open-ended and not necessarily happy, I think people were rightfully applauding it and being like, wow, that game really made me think. Whereas generally, they are power fantasies in which your character perseveres over all the obstacles. And that's what we're set to expect when you play a giant 100-hour JRPG. If at the end your character's like, no, it doesn't work out, well, that kind of blows, right? You you want the parade and the the happy ending and everybody getting together and all of that. And so I, I think adventure games aim for an older audience and, uh, and like – and. That with that audience comes a certain level of maturity. I mean, I don't not to not to downplay any any other types of audiences, but like you're getting more adults that are asking for more from their storytelling. And I mean, I think the people making the games, there's a lower barrier to entry than there are for other games. So sometimes they, they're allowed to be more creatively free and and try new things. So like Activation of Hobbs Barrow is a good game for sure. Will I ever want to play it again? No, just like when you see a movie that is like, you're like, Oh, that was a, that was a, a good watch, but tough. I, I don't think I want to watch that one again, but I'm glad I saw it. It's like one of those. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I did not check out the, the, uh, your, your adventure game, but I, I, I you know what? It's funny. I, I need to, <laughs> I need to look back at uh, Super Monkey Island or whatever the uh, Escape from Monkey Island or Return to Monkey Island. Yeah, um, I think it's on yeah. Game Pass now, so I need to get back to that. Do you? Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, did you ever start it? No, I did not. So I guess it would be I did install it. Does that count? No. No, of course not. It never counts. Uh, it's never enough for you. Um, it's, it's never. Why can't I just have the art on my dashboard? Yeah, man. Why can't I just see it pop up for a couple of days and then have it go away because I've launched other things? You know. Uh. Well, I will say, Ryan. Uh, one thing you will be pleased to hear is that I started God of War Ragnarok, um, and uh, on my PS4 Pro, uh, pumping it out like a boss. Uh, nice. little engine, little engine that could. I got my Steam Deck, my Series S uh, X rather, and then my little PS4 going. Well, it's a PS4 Pro. It's actually not the base model, but it's doing the doing its business. And I would say that, like, you know, I am not super far, but I am, you know, hours in at this point. So, like, I'm into the game pretty solidly. Like, Quest has begun, have changed realms, you know, gone pretty 
far, you know, far enough into it. So I have first impressions. Um, and the first impressions are twofold. One, uh, God of War, the original um, reinvention of the series, was uh, was a really good game and, and, and got everything right the first time. And this game knows not to mess with that. Like pretty much everything in this game was done in God of War, the original. And so it was like like everything from the collectibles to the way that you – you know, the comp, you know, the combat to this and that, like there's some little things like you can hook stuff with the blades of chaos now that are different, but mostly it's the same. It's the same. I played the other one recently. Um, and it's, it's very, very similar right off the gate, off the gate, which makes me realize that it is like, um, the second season of a television show or, you know, like when they've really started to nail, but of a show that came out hot, not a show that finds its identity in the second season, like a show that had a great first season and was really buzzy and everyone's talking about it. And then the second season comes out. I've honestly never played a game like this. I don't think because a lot of the games I play have self-contained stories. And if they're a sequel, uh, either the self-containedness continues such as like in an uncharted adventure, even though there's characters that overlap, it's kind of like a self-contained adventure. You really don't need to have played any of the other ones except four kind of involves you being familiar with the others. That's the only one I can really think of. Whereas other games like Final Fantasies and different ones, games like that, they're always new. Each sequel is new. I've rarely played a game where the cast of characters follows you from games game to game. Like, am I missing an obvious one? I never played The Last of Us 2. That's probably an obvious one. But is there is there uh, is there another obvious one, Ryan, that you can think of? Um, I mean, we we did talk a bit about this in Discord. I feel like uh, I feel like Horizon Forbidden West did this a bit, uh, not as direct a continuation as we had with God of War Ragnarok um, from God of War 2018. So I never finished the first Horizon, and I definitely haven't played the second one. But my question for you is in Horizon, Aloy's like tr- in the first one, she's traveling by herself. Like whereas in the, the the God of War, you're traveling with someone else and you have a third person hanging from your belt. No spoilers. Um, and, uh, and, and so like you're meeting characters with Aloy, she's going, she's meeting these different factions and different stuff. But like I just kind of imagine that the second game, she's going somewhere else and meeting a completely other people and other and the only piece of continuity is Aloy herself but like is that fair to say or is there a whole cast of characters from the first game that continues on into the second game there there are characters yeah that that um uh there are characters from the first one that that are are very present like you're building out a crew in Horizon Forbidden West and half that crew I would say is is characters from the previous game um now that being said unlike god of war ragnarok horizon forbidden west takes place you know mostly i'd say 90 percent outside of of the main of the first game so it's like it's a whole new area and i mean you know god of war ragnarok has more overlap than that but honestly again you probably spend a good chunk of time outside of Well, yeah, so far I've spent a lot of time outside of it, but I started exactly in an area that I was familiar with to the point that your characters go back in the early hours of Ragnarok to the same place they go to at the beginning of the last game 
and they interpret things a little differently. There's something that they found at the beginning of the first game that takes on a new meaning in the second game. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. I really liked that a lot because it felt like it was rewarding me as a player, like from having played that, jumping right into this one. And I will say that like, I am enjoying Ragnarok quite a bit so far. And one of the reasons I'm enjoying it, I thought I was going to be burnt out because I was sick of playing the original God of War on the replay. I didn't go fight all the Valkyries. I kind of got sick of it. And I was like, oh man, like I may, I might not be big into jumping into Ragnarok right away, but I will say like, first off, I'm good at fighting instantly. Like it's, uh, it's really the, 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 even though the combat is not, exactly the same it is very the same so that i i was able to just pick it out really quick which was great uh and the other thing is that uh um um the the story is different and i know that's a no-brainer obviously but everything is bigger there's more characters there's more stuff going on and uh and i realized that like you know like when i was playing god replaying god of war the old one i had played it before so i knew what was going to happen did i remember all the beats no but i remembered enough of them and, and this time it was it's new it's like all new and so there's that like it's pulling me along oh yeah i want to see the dwarven home world or i want to i want to talk to this person i want to solve this mystery or oh somebody's imprisoned i want to save them like i'm driven more than i would be if i had played the game and knew what was going to happen so right now that's carrying me along and i'm enjoying it a lot more than i thought i would um that said i've always found these games to be like like it, i i remember in the ps2 gamecube xbox era Everything was an action adventure game. Like, like you had, I, I keep thinking of Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, but there was like a bunch of games around that time period. Every game on PS2 was pretty much an action adventure game. And at one point, they all became open world games, like huge open world games. And um, people stopped making awesome action adventure games. And now they, like God of War and Ragnarok are awesome action adventure games, but it's just like people treat them like they're the second coming sometimes. And I, I'm just like, well, really, they're just really well-made action adventure games. It's just that nobody makes this type of game anymore. They make these giant open world, like go everywhere, do everything at all times, tons of icons, side quests, and all of that sort of stuff. They don't make like something that that is kind of like like you have some room to explore, but it's mostly about progressing forward and having a cool combat system and story scenes and all of that. So uh, still very refreshing to play a game like that. My feeling, though, is that, and I hope I'm wrong about this, my feeling is that it's going to be super long and that I'm going to draw up at one point or get bored of it, but I'm I'm still early and that's not the case yet. Yeah. No, God of War Ragnarok is fantastic. I think the story will keep pulling you forward because uh, it, it could is it is the conclusion to um, that tale, right? Like, uh, so I found that it's um, they kind of skip the middle chapter, right? In the sense that the middle chapter is like, well, you know, you know, the, the story is going to progress, but we're not going to get the conclusion. But because they've announced that, oh, this this is the conclusion to the God of War Norse saga, you know, they're going to wrap it up in some way. So I think, I think that pulls you forward, especially if, if it is um, a longer game. 
It does feel a bit though, like as when I started the game and the setup was happening in the story, that there could have been a middle game and that this could have been it. Like, like I'm sure at one point this is going to switch to like where more of the end game type, type like uh, the third in a series. It like, I, I just feel that it, it it's jumped right into like these, you know, uh, s- s- some of it is the deep end of the pool, but it feels like they're going to, they're going to have to go a, a long way to get Kratos from just kind of like living his life to a, to a spot where the whole saga ends, you know? Um, and so I imagine that they will, but it might have been something they, they could have teased out a bit longer. But whatever. I'm glad to get it all in one package. And I'm also like super pleased of its performance on the PS4 Pro, which reminds me, Ryan, um, that like, because this is part of it, eh? I was in between games. I wanted something that would just capture my attention. Not a game that I would listen to a podcast while playing. Not a game that I would be thinking about eight other games while playing. Like one that really like got me invested in. in, And um, uh, I realized that I still haven't played The Last of Us Part 2. And so I was holding a shrink-wrapped Last of Us Part 2 and a shrink-wrapped God of War Ragnarok looking back from one to the other. And then I was like, well, I really just replayed God of War recently. I should just jump into the sequel. I feel like I should play The Last of Us um, before uh, I, uh, I I get into The Last of Us 2. Or at least watch the HBO show. Ooh, good segue. Uh, well, yes, The Last of Us on HBO slash Crave, depending on if you're in Canada or not. Uh, I have been watching on Crave uh, HBO is the last of us. And I gotta say, I mean, what I, I was going to say, uh, I was basically going to parrot everybody and say like, it is such a great adaptation because it is, it's, it's really good. I think the one struggle I'm having with it is that I, um, started watching it without Ashley and it is a, it is a tough show. We talked about shrinking and be like, Oh, it's, it sounds like it deals with some tough stuff. And I mean, that one does, but the last of us, I mean, if you've played The Last of Us, you know there are some beats that are that are very hard. You know, they're very hard to watch. They're very sad. They're very traumatizing. They're uh, scary. I've put off playing the sequel for that very reason. Exactly. For like, I've had it for like three years sitting there. I'm like, uh, so I get it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess before I started watching the show, I thought like well, two seemed like it it delved more into the the hardship and just the rough just rough stuff you know like and and the themes and and all that just felt like they they went harder on it um but no i think the last of us also has those moments that are like oh man i'm um that's done and i never want to experience it again uh and you will experience it again by watching the last of us but i think the one the the one thing that has to be mentioned here is like the issue with a lot of adaptations is that they try to do one for one of the game without making it into its own without actually adapting it into the medium they're trying to make which is TV too often they try to emulate the video game in some capacity uh in the medium of television under the guise of like oh we're being innovative and it's like well you know you're you're targeting what audience, right? Which is the people who played the game. Whereas with The Last of Us on HBO, I think they are targeting both the people who played the game, but also folks who have never played the game. And I think that's where um, 
I wanted to see if I if Ashley would watch it with me, which which she has started to watch it with me. We got to the part where we basically got to the part where it skips the 20 years and goes forward. So, like, obviously, you you got to experience that moment that everyone remembers from the beginning of The Last of Us. And um, and, you know, I talked to her afterwards and she's like, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. Like you wouldn't know it's based on a video game unless you're paying super attention to the credits and being like, oh, based on the video game by by Naughty Dog. But, you know, Pedro Pascal, uh, Bella Ramsey as Ellie, uh, you know, all the actors are superb in, in bringing these characters to life. But like the way they change things specifically with uh you know, the idea of um, spores in the video game, that was a big, like, core mechanic, but also, like, a big part of how the virus spread, which was through these spores. And you breathe enough spores in, you get infected. Uh, what they've changed with the show is it's based on tendrils. So when you see a, a bunch of fungi around, there's a lot of this, like, goopy tendrils. Um, and they kind of run with that to the aspect of, like, if you ingest enough of the fungi... That's how the that's how basically it spread is is it got into the food supply and then folks who ate enough of it got infected and then started biting and and yeah, like the way the way they use the tendrils is really interesting, both from the aspect of the zombie perspective of like when the when the zombie bites someone, they they bite to open the skin, but then they have these like tendrils coming out of their mouth and it kind of looks like it's just real creepy, man. It's super creepy and they do a great job of ramping it up over the first, uh, there's four episodes out now. And by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be five, but, uh, they really ratchet it up and they don't just, they don't just follow the video game beat for beat. They find a way to like, kind of make it, make it into a TV show. You know, like there are whole gameplay sections that are kind of moved around and, and, repositioned or cut out altogether so there's an episode uh that is really great focusing on uh bill and frank which frank is just an off-screen character in the video game and bill that's a large gameplay section of you like trying to find parts and scavenging and and learning more about bill but but in the show you know it's more about bill and frank and their lives from the beginning of, of the apocalypse to uh to 20 years later catching up with the rest of the show so they do some really interesting things that you wouldn't be able to do in a video game but they still hit the beats right 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 but like that it's funny because i saw a lot of the acclaim and i do feel like i'm on the outside looking in here for the show a lot of acclaim for the show and all of this sort of thing um but i do feel like like i'm having a little bit of deja vu to the first frank darabont directed walking dead season where it was really filmed like a movie everybody was like this is elevating like what the zombie genre is um because take the frank and bill stuff my understanding is that they essentially take episode three to tell their story which as you say in the video game is environment video games use environmental storytelling and that's what they used it like you're getting to know uh you know, Bill in that way as you're encountering him with Joel and Ellie. So of course, like any adaptation is going to expand, like any televised adaptation has to expand on what's there. There is no game easier to adapt. I've thought than the last of us, like if you cast that properly, like the game was already amazing. Like in terms of storytelling, like you could almost 
you know, it was almost a movie already. Some of the cutscenes in that were like so good. And uh, so like for me, it's more, it's more like you could screw that up. You, you could screw it up and people could be like, well, just play the game. Like it's clearly better. But at the same time, the roadmap is there, but you need more content. You've got to expand some of this stuff. So you look at some of that environmental storytelling. You look at like, oh, yeah, Bill, I, I remember Bill's beats. I remember the story. And at the end, what happens with Bill at the game? And then you're like, okay, let's let's show more of it in the show. The thing that I'm wondering, though, is that like, you can only do that so much, like take an episode of your show to do a side story of like, oh, these people and this is their love or their story during the pandemic. And then, you know, this is where they're at and how they intersect with Joel and Ellie. Like, I just feel like right now it's hot and fresh and everybody's into it, but you do a few of those and the, it feels like there. maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm cynical, but it feels like diminished returns or you have to add more stuff. Like that first episode, season of The Walking Dead was very like, you know, everything was held weight, held significance. Characters' deaths meant something. Um, you know, when the, when they when he when Rick met Morgan, uh, Morgan meant something. You know, as a character there, like as a, as a, as a symbol almost. I remember all the critical reviews. The critics were gaga for The Walking Dead season one, um, and it was only six episodes. And I'm just seeing that here, and I'm wondering like. You know, are they gonna? It's is it just because it's fancy HBO zombie stuff? Um, I know The Last of Us is great, but it's just a matter. I've already played the game, so I don't know. Like I, Ryan, you're you're making a big case for like why, as somebody who's played the game, it's still worth my time watching the show. Yeah, well, I think it is, and I think uh, it comes down to the fact that they've they're adapting a story you know if you've played the game, like. Uh, you you won't be surprised to learn that you know Joel and Tess find out that Ellie is infected in pretty much the same way and the way they capture that in the show feels like ripped straight out of the game so when you're playing the game it's like oh i know what's going to happen here to a certain degree but then sometimes they they take a moment that ends the same way or ends in a similar fashion or the same result but they they tweak it, they change it. Like obviously in the game, we needed to have a bunch of enemies show up for you to fight uh, and to, to have like some gameplay here. But in a TV show, we can kind of take the smart approach and be like, well, would those would would that faction really be that far out? Let's find another way to it will still have the same result with these specific characters, but let's find a smarter reason for to to get to that point, you know, or to get to, or or a, a different reason. And it's not just made, it's not just making that choice to be like, let's be different from the game. They're making that choice to properly adapt to the medium and to use the medium for, for what, what it does best. And in, and in a, a long form HBO television show, that's to tell a story and different stories within this, within this setting. So that being said, like the episode I described with, with Bill and Frank, that's, I think, uh, I, I listened to the, the HBO, um, last of us podcast which airs every like after the episode airs and it's um troy baker hosted with neil Druckmann, the co-creator of the last of us and then craig mazin who's the showrunner uh co-showrunner for the last of us and uh they they talk about that episode as kind of like a breather episode you have two episodes introducing you to the universe and kind of getting you started on the journey then they have this breather episode where you're learning more about bill and frank 
But then afterwards we get back into the journey and meeting the characters we know from the games and stuff. So like it's, and then, you know, you compared it to walking dead. I think like, yeah, walking dead overstayed its welcome and continues to kind of overstay in the terms of it's telling more stories with the same characters that just have somehow survived this long, even though they come against, you know, the worst people in the universe. Um, the last of us is two seasons. It's part one, part two. And for the most part, that is, that is where that ends. Now, mind you, if HBO decides to do spinoffs, I don't know if that'll happen or if they decide to pull a game of Thrones and say, Hey, we're going to continue with the narrative outside of the books or the video games or whatever. As of right now, they're just focusing on adapting the two games, which is part one and part two. Uh, I think HBO is, they have a weird track record with adaptations, like in terms of like stopping when the source material stops. (laughs) So I don't want to necessarily say like, they will end at part two, but uh, as of right now, I think that we're going to get two really solid seasons of, of television that just happen to be based on a video game. And um, I think, I think you, I think you would enjoy the show. I, I think it's different enough that you can watch this and be like appreciative that they've adapted one of your favorite video games, but also experiencing it in a different, in a different way, which is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to experience that story, those characters in a different way. And I think this is perfect. I'm keen for it at one point, I'm sure. But again, it's like, it's the same struggle I have with the content like that, like with The Last of Us 2. You know, I haven't even played the second video game, even though I would put The Last of Us 1 on a short list of my favorite games ever. But it, I also played it before I had kids, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it puts a, it puts a different spin on it. And um, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm ready to, 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 to jump into to jump into the last of us too. I think that'll be my, my next stop. It is funny. Um, uh, Ryan, because it's like, they've made it really complicated for a guy like me to figure out how to replay the, like the last of us one. Um, because I, you know, I have it on PS three. Um, and I, you can get it, the remastered version for PS four, which I think looks pretty nice, pretty cheap. Like I think it's often down to like ten bucks or whatever you can get it. I, I, I always seem to miss out on it, but I'm sure I could buy that. But then they've made The Last of Us Part One, which is a completely unnecessary remake of the game for PS5, and uh, are selling it for full price, but it's it's you know dropped in price. I don't have a PS5, so that would normally eliminate that for me. But it's coming out on PC, and I do have a Steam Deck, and I'm like, I wonder if it would run. The Last of Us Part One, and I could play it that way, um, or if I should just, you know, be go back and play the 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 PS4, you know, the PS4 version, get the PS4 version, uh, because I just feel like I do remember. It's like God of War one. I remember the plot beats. I do, I can tell you the end of Last of Us, but there's a lot of the nuances there that that I don't I don't have, and I feel that it would be worth a replay before jumping into the second game. So, uh, so I've got to, you know, I got to figure that out um, after uh, after I'm done with God of War. One thing I'm curious too is God of War is very gameplay driven, even though it's one of these, like you're 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 in a. It's similar to The Last of Us in many ways. AAA Sony game looks really beautiful. Um, you've got these major characters going on a big journey, but uh, The Last of Us is like you know gritty and real and stuff like that. Whereas in 
a God of War, you're playing a super powered character that can do all sorts of stuff and the gameplay is super fun. So I have to go back. I remember enjoying the gameplay of of um, The Last of Us because you, you felt in danger, I guess, a lot. But it's a different type of game for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you have lots of options to replay it. I think that The Last of Us Part 1 is going to be coming to PC and is Steam Deck verified. So if you wanted to do it that route, you could also Oh, it is, that. eh? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I'm, you know, it is funny. I'm, I don't know enough about how stuff works. Like, I'm like, is the Steam Deck powerful enough to play a PS5 game? Like, I guess, you know, I guess it is. Uh, I get, is it a poopy version of it? Like, should I just play the, the PS4, you know, version? Like, it's, it's all, it all seems strange to me. Is it, does it look good on the portable screen? But if I play it on TV, well, that's a bigger screen. So it's going to look bad. You know, I don't know any of this stuff, Ryan. I got to figure this stuff out. Um, so, uh, uh, just moving in to the diapers, uh, Ryan, um, I was uh, looking at your your uh, your notes here, and it was making me think of like, you know, we've been talking recently about booking the summer day camps and stuff, and uh, and it just feels like my life is full of booking things, like constantly, like okay, we got like March break, or we got family day weekend, or we got or we got um, you know summer, which we have to get nailed down. It looks like to me that you're in the same kind of boat of trying to figure out summer yeah well i mean i i say i say me but it's it's honestly ashley's done a lot of uh, (laughs) heavy lifting um you know it it is interesting though like i feel like it comes sooner and sooner i know like january february is usually when you are booking it as as you try to figure out like what it looks like where the kids are going at what time and and we had kind of prepaid for some camps that the kids are going to go to because I guess we got a deal, um, a, d- a deal at the time it seemed like, although it wasn't when <laughs> I got an email from the credit card company being like, "Hey, you, 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 you maxed it out," and it's like, "Well, yeah, it's because we normally don't, you know, pre-purchase four weeks of camps for two kids." Uh, so that was a that was a fun email that I got on my vacation, but. Um, it like and and then that just goes to say like they're ex- you know these camps are very expensive and and uh um because they add up because you're trying to fill up eight weeks and then for me i've got well i've got the two kids that are at camp age and then one kid is in daycare but ashley kind of like mapped out the summer and figured out like you know where you know the camps would be and she did a lot of the booking and and obviously i i think i offered a my uh my opinion on where we were going and what we were doing and the kids is obviously ah, you know i uh, i offered my opinion i did I, she well, I was asked promptly, for my opinion i was asked she then promptly disregarded it she's like ryan i've got this you're like okay yeah no that's fine Thanks, she honey. had it uh, she is all over it and really it was just more of like a can you review this to make sure i haven't i haven't missed anything and and she she hadn't missed anything she did a really she's like great you know job. what you know what uh, actually don't even review it. I'll review it myself. And then she took it back and she's like, no, I did a great, I did a great job. Ryan, just go to your podcast. Okay? It's true. Yeah. This. That's exactly yeah. you are in the room. <laughs> um, no, it, uh, it like, I, I just feel like when you, when you kind of map out your summer, it doesn't feel like eight weeks. It feels like a short amount of time, but when you're actually thinking about it, like it's, a, it's quite a bit to figure out. And we were trying to also fit in like, uh, not just camps, but soccer, so the kids, the kids want to play soccer again. 
And uh, this time it's not going to be on the weekends. It's going to be weeknights. And it's two different nights. So we're trying something a little different there. And uh, technically, Isabel would be old enough to play like basically dandelion picking soccer. But uh, we decided to wait an extra year to see if she would be, you know, more into it. But um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Like, so I guess we got soccer booked. We got the camps booked. Uh, Ashley was even working with uh, grandparents to be like, hey, you're taking the kids for a week so we don't burn through all all our vacation. Um, But I also I also have to take some time off as well for both uh, being with the kids, but also just doing some family stuff. We're going to try a new camp. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's like a it's not like a, you know, put your tent up on the ground type thing. It was like um, they have some of these campsites have like they're not like fully furnished like uh, cabins, uh, but it's basically like a, a it's like a whole kitted out cabin, but without plumbing. Like there's no there's no bathroom in it. It's not like glamping that you kind of see in the in the Instagram ads where it's like, you know, a bathtub and a sink and and a and, and a toilet. But it's like a, it's like a fully furnished like structure that you can sleep in, and you know, feel like you've got some amenities, but you still got to like walk down to the toilet, I guess. But that's uh that's gonna be part of our summer as well, but it just feels weird talking about summer in February. I know it's a necessary evil, but uh yeah. Well, this is my beef that I've really come to terms with this year as an adult. It's like the idea of and I mean it depends. Everybody has a different birthday obligations depending on their where their family's birthdays line up and stuff. Wife's birthday, kids' birthday. But like when you think about so my wife's birthday is in the in the beginning of December, right? So I, I, I'm like trying to get things uh, organized for my wife's birthday. And then we're like rolling into Christmas season, like right after, because, you know, buying gifts for all the kids, like getting everything organized, who we got to send cards to. Like there's just a lot in terms of just the logistics of Christmas. We've got to go this, we've got to organize this. Then there's the, then as soon as Christmas is over, you know, you roll into New Year's, like, and also it's a Christmas vacation. So, like, you may be going somewhere, and you need to plan that, depending on on what you're doing. There's a lot of planning. Then, then it's the New Year, and then when the New Year starts, you immediately have to worry about summer. You've got to book campsites. You've got to book daycare. You've got to like, you really have to. The turnover is seemingly surreally fast. And then, like in in February, you've got Valentine's Day. Uh, um, which uh, we got to take time for to recognize sort of our significant others or we're never going to do stuff like that. You've got to then uh, in in Canada or in Ontario, we have family day weekend that comes up and then people are trying to book stuff for that. Then you have March break and then you, you need to have planned March break at one point, like or thought of March break at one point, if you're planning on doing anything uh, and then, and then, hopefully, after March break, then you get a little bit of a break until the summer plans that you've probably already had to have set up. It just feels like oh, tax season. I didn't even think about tax season. That you're rolling into tax season there uh, and doing all that. It's just like on top of our normal surviving. It feels like a lot. Is I guess what I'm saying, and it feels like a lot. And that's if everything is going right or everything is like, I know, I know that like in, you know, we we have a bunch of birthday parties in Clara's class right now. Every weekend there's like a, somebody's got a friggin' birthday party. I don't know what the hell's going on. 
Um, but it's just like, and that's just, you know, our situation. Then you have others that have sick kids or sick family. We've been lucky on the sickness front, um, although Jesse still has her major health things that she's dealing with. So it's just like, man, and then the weather, the winter weather and the obligations that come with that, like clearing your driveway, doing all that sort of stuff. It just feels like for adulting, if you will, this season is the worst. And I never really put all these pieces together. But like until you get past like kind of taxes, you've got your if you've got your summer booked and then maybe you have a month or two in the spring where you don't have to worry about planning something or booking something. I don't know if I'm making too big a deal about it, but this is just how I feel right now. No, you're right. I think once Christmas is over, it's there's like a it's the lead up to summer. There's something on every month. And depending on how how busy you are for Easter or the long weekend in May, uh, like and and for my work, my work kind of picks up, you know, in May, June, July, like into the summer and in. In some degree, so like that—that that is also tough in terms of planning, depending if it's going to be a a busier year or not. But um, yeah, like it—it's—it's it's a lot to think about, and I think where I try to offer, like I'm not a very good planner when it comes to you know what the kids are doing and where we're going. I I often just like it's like yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. We did Legoland. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to do, I think we're going to go to the Toronto zoo for family day or around family day. Like there's, there's, I'm, I'm down for activities, but I'm just terrible at planning, you know? So, uh, I just try to support the best I can and, and try, try to pitch in where I can. But, uh, yeah, we're, I think we're sorted for summer. I, I believe we are sorted to some degree for summer. There's probably like some little things that have to be sort of, connected in there and i obviously have to put my leave in uh uh very soon so gotta work on that but um yeah it's uh it's been a bit of a planning uh you know fun time here but um i also uh we 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 found we didn't find a new activity but we did we did a new activity we hadn't done in a while and we went to the library with the kids um because Caden is uh so he's all in on reading for his birthday, he got these uh, like a early chapter book series. I think it's called the Magic Treehouse or something. Um, I never read them when I was a kid, but Ashley read them a lot when she was a kid. And he's kind of like he's just burning through them. Um, he's he's reading them whenever he gets a chance. He takes them like he's reading them himself. Yeah, he's reading them himself. Yeah, he's uh, I, like again. I don't uh I can't say with a certain degree as to like whether he's doing it perfectly. Um they are simpler books, so like I feel like he's he's got it down. We've asked him to read out loud for us and he kinda I think he's he he, he doesn't really want to, but we're probably asking at a point where it's like he he doesn't want to read out loud, but we, we do need to get around to it to kind of be like, okay, let's read this section out loud. Um but he is reading them on his own. Uh I think that's what he does on the bus pretty much. Like that's what I did when I was a kid on the bus. Just read. We had an hour and a half bus ride. He's got a shorter bus ride, but he, as we've chronicled on this podcast, he finds sometimes not so great ways to, to pass the time on the bus. So I'm, I was really happy that he picked up reading, but um, we went to the library cause I said, I thought like, well, I'm not buying him, you know, a new set of these books every, every couple weeks. Cause he, cause he goes through them. Um, 
but he and he's been fine to reread books too. Like again, they're not like they're not like huge giant books, but they're little, little small ones. But um, so we went to the library, he got some books out, and uh, and I got a book out. <laughs> now Crofton, you can ask me the the book I got is uh, is is the Thursday Murder Club. Uh, I did get the book. We were talking about that last episode, and you can ask me if I if I if I got to it. You 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 can do that right now. So not only am I going to ask you if you got to it, which which I'm going to very much enjoy doing, because uh, because <laughs> my, my wife is reading it upstairs right now. She just started it tonight. In fact, she was like, I I bought it for her birthday. I think. I want to say not this year, but the year before. And it's just like she reads only e-reader books and like a paper book. It's just there's it doesn't have a backlight and there's always been a thing. But now she's reading it. And uh, and you made the mistake, Ryan, of of immediately sending me a photo when yeah, you I were know. in the library. So I know now how long you've had the book. So you can't just say, oh, I just got the book uh, or whatever. Like definitely you have a fair amount of time. So now I think we both know what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you if you've read it. You're going to say no, but I actually hold out hope that this is a big bit that you're planning to be like, yeah, actually I'm halfway through. It's great. So let's see. Ryan, where are you in the Thursday Murder Club? Uh, The first page. I haven't started yet. I, I know it's uh, or is my wife's further. Yeah, no, she's oh, no <laughs> doubt she is. I mean, like I've only had the book for two weeks. It sounds like she's had it for, like you said, a year, right? You bought it for, a month. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that, that's true. When you look at it like that, you're definitely doing better. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, but no, I, I will retract that. Yeah. <laughs> How long does the library allow you to have it out for three weeks? So it's been two weeks. <laughs> I can, I can, I, so I can put in an extension if I, I, look, here's the thing. I have every intention to get back to the book, read it. Yeah, You'll get back to I'll it. I'll get yeah. back to it. And, um, I, like, I think, like I was, I, I got copped, caught up in the moment. We were at the library and I, I said to Ashley, like, oh, I kind of want to try this out. Crofton mentioned this book because I don't know books. I don't know what books are like. Right. Are out there that I should be reading. Of course. And, and the I last know. person to recommend a book was, uh-huh. you know, my Me? co-host yeah. on this podcast. And I thought, oh, let's try it out. So I was, um, it's been so long since I've been to the library, but this one's all digitized in the sense that like, I can go onto a website, input my library card, type in the book. I can put a hold on it. Um, I I thought, okay, this was a good way to kind of test it out. And I got into the library. I put a hold on it that morning and, you know, I wasn't going in and be like, hey, did you get my book? I was I was kind of just curious about the process. And they said, oh, we, it usually takes us a day to process the holds. But like since you put a hold on it, if someone were to bring it to the desk, it, it's yours. We wouldn't lend it out. So um, and then I asked her and then I said, I don't really understand, though, because I have the book, but it's not next to Monkey Island on my Xbox dashboard. When does that <laughs> happen? Do I just... I just download it and then I have it, but I'm never going to read it. I just want to look at the art. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, and like, here's the thing. I think naive Ryan probably should have realized coming onto this podcast to talk about going to the library when I had indeed put into our event dads group that I had, I had this book and I had taken it out from the library and it had been two weeks because I went to the library like right after we recorded last so yeah, I I should have thought this through and realized like if I bring this story up without reading any of it, 
I am going to be ridiculed, and rightfully so. You had to live in the moment where you had to be like, I'm going to send Crofton a photo of this book in my hand right yeah. now. And then you're going to say that you took it out. Like you could have just slyly taken it out, kept it, and then maybe you would have read it. And then one day you would have been like, hey, guess what I did? And I would have been floored. But instead, Ryan, you lived up to what my expectations were, which is, you know what? There is no harm. You know, books are not for for everyone actually they mostly are for everyone there's normally a book for everyone but uh i'm sure that it doesn't necessarily need to be the thursday murder club although again that is a pretty easy read and you could you could read that um so you have another week you could uh you could you know (laughs) set aside i'm going to renew it i'm going to try it and if i like it i will renew it um Yes, I will. I will do that. And, you know, I'm thinking about it today. Like today was I was back in the office um, for for the day and it was raining, so I couldn't go for a walk. So I kind of just, you know, there was really nothing to do. I should have brought my book. And honestly, I don't like this is the problem. I have to break this like, you know, uh, my my mindset of like I should have realized I should have brought the book. So I could have started reading it at lunch, had an hour in, got a little bit further than your wife had. And then we wouldn't have even had to have this awkward Ryan didn't read the book. Ryan, how far, how far are you get? You could be like, I read the first two chapters and I'd be like, wow, that's great, Ryan. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, yeah, no, good. You did it. You're like, I, I, I'll read no more, but those first two chapters were good. Um, I'd get back to it. I mean, really like when we talk about it, I, here's the thing. I, I, uh, I have to get back into that mindset of like reading because uh, it's been so long. Uh, but I, but again, like I realize, I look over and the book has been is sitting on my desk, and now there's stuff on top of it. So that's a problem. That's like a red flag already. So one day, Ryan, I look forward to reading. I'll get back to it. The Ryan Murphy biography, autobiography, <laughs> actually biography. I write that down. Written by it's got to be. It's going to be written by someone else for sure. Oh yeah, written by Jocelyn. Uh, you know, um, but, uh, but it won't be written by me. Um, I was going to just say before, uh, you know, before closing the show, two, two things on the diapers front. One is that, um, is that we have a little thing with Gwen is obsessed with Marvel snap, which is a, uh, a phone game, essentially it's like, you can get it on different devices, but we have it on the phone and, uh, and she's scarily good at it like very good at it she makes her own decks and all this marvel snap just introduced you think this feature would be there at launch but it wasn't the ability to play against your friends and so gwen and i now play against each other um and you know i will say straight up that like she's probably got a, a her win rate and i'm giving it my all is is better than my win rate but what is interesting like what is, is is we're starting to creep into the world of like parental controls. I still have like a weird discomfort of coming in and seeing her on a telephone. Like I know she's using it as a gaming device. I know she's only playing Marvel Snap, Snap and doesn't care about it for any other reason. But it's still seeing my eight-year-old on the couch with her eyes glued to a telephone as opposed to say a tablet or a switch or whatever. It's funny. It's just a mental shift. Um, all she's doing is playing Marvel Snap. And I mean, that's, it just so happens that the device is on a telephone and my wife lends out her telephone. Um, And, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's on. One thing I will say about Marvel Snap though, for if you have like a seven or eight year old kid, um, 
I mean, there there are these predatory um, purchases that you got to sort of talk to them about. I really sat down with Gwen and like there's all these dumb currencies and stupid points for different things. But kids don't care about that. They just care about cards and winning games or playing games and maybe making decks and um, uh, card decks. And I explained it to, to Gwen and she really, really likes it. Uh, and uh, it is just funny to me because this is how she knows every superhero now. Even the B tiers, the C tiers, the D tiers. She knows every character. She'll be like, I saw, um, you know, Black Panther on uh, um, on Liam's backpack at school today. I told I told him that's Black Panther. And, and uh, his, his power goes up by five. Uh, you know, when, when you play him on reveal and um, you know, he works with like, she starts, she knows all the characters for what their abilities are in Marvel snap. Oh, Dr. Strange. He's the guy that summons your highest card to you. You know, it's just very funny that, that she's not seen one Marvel thing other than maybe some episodes of a Spider-Man animated TV show. And all she knows these Marvel characters from is Marvel snap. And she knows all of them, like all she knows their names and like what they, you know, I'm like, how do you know about this character? She's like Marvel stop. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that's right. So <laughs> it is, it is very funny. Uh, very, um, and, uh, but there's a lot of, I guess what I was going to say is there's a lot of learning, like ancillary learning that happens. There's tons of math. And I realized that she does the math combat math as Bo likes to call it like the idea of being like okay this card buffs these cards so my total score here is this there are three locations you've got to win two of the three so you're managing numbers all the time and then you have to read what's on all the cards and on the locations like there's three random locations that pop up each turn and so Gwen is constantly reading constantly doing math and then there's a high level of strategic play. Like this is going to buff these guys. I can play this card. It's going to move these guys over here. I destroyed this card, which is going to buff this card, you know, and now she's into chess club at school. And uh, I can totally see why that would be like Marvel snap as gateway to that. Um, but it seems like a game with it kind of weirdly has a lot of redeeming value. Um, she seems like I have, I'm appreciating how smart she is watching her, play it like but at the same time uncomfortable with her being on a telephone if that makes sense oh i mean it makes perfect sense i think that um you know the, uh, like for us we have uh the kids have their own like really inexpensive android tablets that have com been completely locked down um but we're even finding like we're we're mostly an ios sort of family but um the kids have these google tablets but we've actually found that like we're even struggling to get the apps we need on that those Google tablets, even though they're only a few years old. And we're having to like install these apps for school and stuff and um, on on our own Apple tablets. So like but even then, like I, I don't let the kids use my phone. I'm a little more paranoid about it, like just in the sense that like our phones are just there's so much attached to it these days. And also the kids are. Uh, not at all careful <laughs> with them. Um, but uh, Ashley has her phone in, like this giant otter box. And what she will like, what uh, Izzy likes to do is kind of go through the um, the memories and the photos and such. And like uh, on iOS, you can kind of and I think on Google, too, you can kind of click on the uh, the faces because it has face recognition and like see all the photos. So see all the photos of Abigail, see all the photos of 
of Caden and watch like the memory videos that play through and see the random photos that it wants to spotlight this this week. But um, you know, in terms of gaming, Caden got really into uh, Bejeweled, uh, which it, he was playing on one of our phones. Uh, we kind of we kind of snapped that back a bit. Is that the one where you line up the the same color jewels and they disappear and then they fall and you make combos? Is that how that game works? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So again, like nothing, like nothing too crazy, but just one of those like, you know, dopamine hit type games. Uh, So, you know, it didn't, it didn't last long because honestly, by the time, so it was, it was part of like the Xbox app. I guess you could load up this, like it's called Jewel. It's like a bejeweled clone from Microsoft. And then I was like, okay, no, that's enough. And then now she's like, well, what if we got bejeweled on my phone? And and the only way you can get bejeweled on phones is is the like the Candy Crush ripoff where it's like the free to play. You have a certain amount of moves type stuff, um, and uh, that's what Caden was playing. And he eventually hit that wall of like, man, I can't finish the level, and it's like asking me to buy something. And I'm like, no, 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 we're we're ending this now because you've hit that you've hit that wall where like the game is just hard enough that you're not unable to get past these. And I wasn't even able to get past the levels because it 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 comes down to a certain layer of luck to be able to proceed but of course you can pay past that luck and uh and and get extra moves and get extra power-ups and i was like yeah no this is not happening we're we're shutting this down but um we recently did resubscribe to google play pass which has like a bunch of free like it unlocks it's like apple arcade for for google uh, yeah, essentially, it's it's it is very similar. Although, um, like most Google versus Apple, and this is my personal opinion, uh, it's it's a lot of garbage. There's like a lot of stuff in the Google Play Pass, whereas the Apple Arcade is more curated and, frankly, just more premium experiences. Whereas the Google Play Pass is it, like there's a lot in there. You got to wade through a lot, but there's a lot of great like kids apps. And most of them, which would normally be free to play, like you you download it for free and then have it unlock a bunch of stuff. But like they've been playing, you know, Isabel and Abigail have both been playing a lot of like this, you know, uh, Sesame Street ABC app. And they've been actually like really getting into it of, of learning their ABCs and all their sounds and stuff. So, you know, that's that's kind of like where I've leaned in terms of comfort is like using the Google Play Pass, downloading specific apps, but um, we haven't gotten into the whole like, okay, let's try this. You know, we tried with the freemium stuff with Bejeweled and, and we went down that road a little bit and it, it felt uncomfortable, but I think like Marvel snap has a much more, obviously it has a store that you can drop real money on, but like it has a, it has a better setup that feels less bad. Like there's no, there's no, like, um, doesn't feel like you're gated uh, from being good at the game if you don't spend money. You know, like you can kind of just progress through the game on your own. You don't need to spend money to to progress, right? No, you don't. And if anything, like, because Bo was telling me about these season passes and he's like, oh, you should get the, if it went into it, this week's season, this month's season's pass has got a good card and it'll, whatever, you can make a good deck with it. And I'm like, dude, I've never spent a cent on this game. Not that I wouldn't want to, like, I almost want to reward them for the pleasure that they've given us. But like, there's really like, not much incentive to spend. If you get over that early, like, oh, I need to spend money type thing. And you start playing it for a while, you're like, oh, I really don't need to spend money. It becomes clear. But um, 
but I, you know, I, I think that for some folks, uh, you, you, there's a lot of shiny things in the window that would make you want to spend money originally. You know, yeah. uh, I just rec- recognize that you don't, you don't really need to. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it, it's, it's been, it is what it is. Uh, like it's a game that I think has a lot of value for, um, for, for kids in a way, but in, in another way is like, you know, it's the first she's playing online against other people. Like I had to talk to her about emoji use. Like <laughs> I was like, don't, uh, she's like, this one's good. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's uh Kotaku wrote this big article about the miss Marvel emoji and Marvel snap being perhaps seen as toxic. It's like a, she's blinking and giving a thumbs up. And uh, Gwen loves that emoji and she's using it completely innocently. But like when you pwn somebody and send that emoji, uh, it does give the the feeling that like you might be rubbing it in their face. And she's using Jess's account, like because obviously it's Jess's phone. So I'm just like, you know, don't do that stuff. And it's her first like, you know, you're not talking, you're not chatting, you're not engaging. It might as well be like she's playing against a computer, but she is playing against another human. So that is most of the time. So that is a. Uh, that is an odd thing about it. But anyway, Ryan, I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last time I talk about Gwen and Marvel Snap. Um, Ryan, do we have any listener feel, feedback in the mailbag? No, we don't this week. But of course, you should ask them to send something. Listeners, you should. If, do you agree with what I'm saying about it being a crazy time of year with tons of obligations for parents? What are your obligations? What are some of the things that you do to make your life easier? Send us an email. Send us a message. We would love to know and figure out how you balance your stuff. Um, And uh, even if you just want to tell us what you're playing, what's going on. There was a Nintendo Direct the other day. Maybe you're excited about some of the stuff in that. Hey, there was a Disney Direct. I don't know what it's called. Um, The other day, maybe you're excited about some of the movies there. Maybe your kids are excited about some of the movies there. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. Um, you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. That's where all our episodes are. If you wanted to reach out to us and share your thoughts, you could do that by emailing the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Uh, you could also just send us a message on the old Twitter. We have a podcast uh, Twitter account at dndcast. You can also reach us individually. I'm at Croft and Steers. Ryan is at R. Murphy, so as not to be confused with the other Ryan Murphys. And that is going to do it, Ryan. We've done it. We did it again. Uh, This episode is in the books. Dungeons and Diapers. We're done. Ryan, leave the folks at home with your words of wisdom, and then I'm going to tell them to have a great week. So cue up your words of wisdom right now. Uh, Read a book. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Have a great week, everybody. We'll check in with Ryan's book reading next time. I am very excited to to see him ask Chat GPT for a synopsis of the book and try to pawn it off as his own. We'll be great. Uh, bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, everybody. Dear Chat GPT, can you provide a critical analysis of the book Thursday Murder Club to make it seem as if I read it for Crofton? <laughs>